Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Miss Susan Weed. We're going to go into our plug right now, and we'll be right back. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Okay, everyone, and welcome back. And we've been recording in the studio tonight with Dragon's Head, um, Terry Liu, my violin player, and Amit Muttaser. And since we're talking about music, we're going to go into Blessed Are We by Kellyanna, who I met in person here at the local witchy store or New Age store, whatever terms you're comfortable with. And it was a fantastic experience. She was just great in hitting the drum and singing her soul and here is her song Blessed Are We Blessed Are We Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. We are here. I'm Daniel Michael, founder, co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And we're going to expand soon and have more hosts. I've been in the studio with a band and stuff doing stuff. And this evening, and as I said before, at one time Main Street Universe was about 12 or shows a week, and we're looking to build back up to those numbers. Not all those folks are here yet, but one will be a Chinese herbal medicine uh, expert, an amazingly brilliant human being, and acupuncture and other things, as well as other metaphysical shows, other shows based just more on art or other things. But I see right now we're a half-hour show with Susan Wheat, so I see her in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. And I have to say welcome and green blessings, Ms. Susan Wheat. And green blessings to you as we draw nigh to summer solstice. How's mm-hmm. everything with you? It is well, and I am 
um, free in some ways, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All Sometimes. right. Well, spread those wings then. Yes, I think Yes, so. <laughs> indeed. It's really been one of those perfect summers in the Catskills here with bright, sunny, gorgeous days and then rainstorms and thunderstorms. So everything is just lush beyond imagining. We were walking through some grass today and it was literally over my head. We were just like plowing through it. And so it were great drifts of snow. Quite an amazing feeling. And lots and lots of pollen, lots of people bothered by the all of the grasses, the abundance of grasses flowering. Right now we had a great time this weekend with the great remedies. And what did we make? We made uh, yarrow tincture and motherwort tincture and hypericum tincture and hypericum oil and plantain oil and uh, lots of different vinegars. And we talked about prunella vulgaris, self-heal or heal all. Now there's an herb that isn't sold in stores, right? Ah. Uh-huh. Good point. Right? You don't sell self-heal at your mm-hmm. store? No. No, no, no. No, and yet tincture of it has been shown to kill the herpes virus. Oh, wow. Like people know that lemon balm, lemon balm ointment can stop herpes sores, and so they think, oh, yes, lemon balm like kills the herpes virus, but it does only externally, whereas the tincture of prunella vulgaris, self-heal or heal-all, has been shown to actually kill the virus internally. Okay. I... And this is a plant that's flowering now in most lawns across America. I have found right lemon balm... Yeah, James Duke says it has the highest levels of antioxidants of any plant known. Here we are herring off to foreign lands to find the latest exotic fruit when the most antioxidant-rich plant is already growing in our lawn. Fascinating. It is. Now, one of the things I'm really looking forward to this year is mushrooms. Because last year we had kind of a dry summer. And we had a dry winter, and I'm thinking, oh, there's not going to be new mushrooms. And yet we already started out this spring with a great find of a couple of morel mushrooms. Oh, be still my heart. And um, now I'm hoping that with all the rain that we'll start to see chicken of the woods and all kinds of mushrooms. You know, when you ask most people about mushroom, many of them will say reishi mushroom. And Stephen Herod Booner in his book, Herbal Antibiotics, includes reishi as an antibacterial, antihepatotoxic. That means it gets rid of things that harm the liver. An antihyperbilirumenemic. Isn't that a wonderful word? Anti-against, hyper, <coughs> above, or too much, bilirubin is a byproduct of the liver. Some babies have a problem clearing a bilirubin. And bilirubinemic, anemic means without. So I'm not sure how we put hyper and anemic together. Anti-hyperlipemic, and I would think that that means it lowers cholesterol. Anti-hypertriglyceridemic, I'm going to say that lowers 
high triglycerides, anti-inflammatory, anti-tumor, antiviral, a cholagog and a choleretic, which means it has wonderful influence on the liver and the gallbladder, a coronary vasodilator, you go, Rishi, cytotoxic, means it kills uh, certain kinds of cells, a hepatoregenerator, it regenerates the liver. So it not only nourishes the liver, it regenerates it. A hypocholesterolemic, which I'm going to take to mean it gets rid of the cholesterol, lowers it. A hypotensive, meaning that it reduces blood pressure. An immunomodulator, it modulates how the immune system works. An immunostimulant, it makes the immune system work better. And a spleen and thymus tonic. Wow. Rishi is one of the best plant immune stimulants. It stimulates interleukin-1 and 2. It stimulates phagocytosis in lymphatic proliferation. That means lymphocytes and white blood cells get going to take care of things. It enhances natural killer cells. It activates macrophages, and macrophages are the things that eat bacteria. It enhances polymorphonuclear leukocytes. Polymorphonuclear, isn't that an amazing word? Uh, Gene Houston was always telling us we needed to be polymorphous perverse. And uh, that meant that we needed to, to uh, take, be able to take on a great number of different forms and to be uh, willing not to be um, absolutely normal in doing so. And so it enhances the polymorphous ability of leukocytes to attack things that need to be attacked. It protects and enhances our T-cells. It enhances the weight and the functioning of the thymus glands. It stimulates gamma interferon production. Now, the thymus is a very interesting gland. Have you ever seen anybody tapping on the upper part of their chest? Yes. And why are they doing that? I'm... I think that... um, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's supposed to stimulate the thymus. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So if you tap kind of, it's, I would say it's about in the middle of the bony part of your breastbone. And you can kind of tap around. And there'll be a spot where it feels like more tender, more sore, or more better. And that's the spot that you tap around in. And that's where the thymus gland is. Now, they looked at thymus glands in children who had died, and they found them of a certain size in proportion to the body. And then they looked at thymus glands in soldiers who had died, and they found that the thymus gland was far less in proportion to the body weight. And so it was decided that the thymus was supposed to atrophy as we grew, and that only children had large thymus glands, and that if your thymus gland survived and was still large. After puberty, there was something wrong with it. An entire generation of children had their thymus glands irradiated because they were supposedly too big. And, of course, almost all of these children went on to have odd and irregular cancers. And I 
what I saw and when I helped people who had been children during this time deal with this was that, that many of them were quite interested in alternative and natural medicines and that mushrooms kept coming up in terms of what was really going to help the thymus gland. What was the thymus gland had taken a hit, had taken that hit of radiation, had been made smaller when it should be kept the same, and they had cancer on several counts because of what had been done to the thymus, both directly and indirectly. And Rishi, of course, was one of the prime mushrooms that was there to help people in this situation because it not only so strengthens and nourishes the thymus, but it is a direct anti-tumor agent. It reduces the proliferation of tumor cells and inhibits tumor necrosis factor. It's an antiviral. Rishi has been shown to be active against numerous viruses, including HIV. And Stephen says, where do you get Rishi? Well, you can find it just about everywhere, or you can even grow your own. And it is true that you can grow your own, and fungi, perfecti, www.fungi.com, sounds easy to use starter kits. However, in general, I must tell you that growing your own Rishi is neither labor-effective nor cost-effective. If you're really serious about using Rishi, it's probably far better to buy it, as we might say, already grown. There are a couple of hundred species of Ganoderma, and many of them are used medicinally. One of the rising stars among the Ganodermas is turkey tail mushroom. And it would be the local equivalent of Rishi. Turkey tail mushroom is a very, very common mushroom of the woodlands throughout the temperate regions of the earth. And if you know anybody who knows their mushrooms, they will very easily be able to show you turkey tail. So if you don't want to grow mushrooms, <clears throat> which, as I said, is rather fussy and time-consuming, <clears throat> and you don't want to buy them looking for turkey tail, we'll get you ahead. But be aware that Ganoderma mushrooms are generally hard mushrooms. Stephen Herod Booner, in his book, Herbal Antibiotics, lists one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different species that are definitely used. And he says it is likely that we will find that more of them have the same effects. In China, all of these Ganoderma are thought to have slightly different effects. And they have a way of grouping them, which he talks about, um, which is quite interesting. They connect colors like blue with sour and then certain functions. And for most of us, this is not going to be directly useful information, but it's certainly available to you if you get Stephen Herod Lunar's book, Herbal Antibiotics. It is the fruiting body, of course, the mushroom itself that is generally used, but more and more these days, the mycelium is what is being used. The mycelium is what grows the mushroom. 
And so a person who is growing mushrooms um, actually is growing mycelium and then hoping for that mycelium to fruit and to give rise to mushrooms in the same way that someone who is growing apples plants apple trees and hopes that the apples blossom and the weather is right and the bees come and they actually get apples from their apple trees. And if instead someone said, hey, guess what? You don't really have to wait for the apples to fruit. You can just use the apple leaves or you could just use the apple roots. That would be more analogous. That's what mushroom growers are doing. Instead of going all the way out to the fruiting stage, they are using the mycelium stage. And in many instances, they are getting even better results when this is put to the study than the studies that that have been done with the fruiting bodies. 15, 20 years ago when mycelial uh, tinctures and remedies for mushrooms were on the market, I was very dubious. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is this like, you know, using the wood of the tree instead of the fruit of the tree? But no, it is really more like using the root of it. And uh, certainly what is in the fruit comes through the root. And so it's not really surprising that the mycelium can be useful and is sometimes even more useful. Stephen uh, suggests that tablets, tincture, and uh, the powdered mushrooms to be used in soups is the best ways to use it. And you can take up to three grams of reishi a day. The tincture, he says, is not really easy to make. So first, decoct the herb to extract the polysaccharides. And he tells you exactly how to go through doing that and uh, boiling it and slow boiling it with the lid on, with the lid off, and then taking your alcohol and doing that. And so he gives you lots of different ways of working with it. He suggests that there is some problem if you use reishi and you have biliary duct problems. Occasionally, there are side effects from using too much reishi, and that could include rashes, loose stools, dry mouth, sleepiness, bloating, frequent urination, sweating, nausea. Sounds altogether nasty, doesn't it? Fortunately, it's only occasionally, and the immediately stop upon discontinuance of the herb. And of course, this is part of the problem of taking herbs in capsules or tablets. And I would suspect that these side effects are far less among people who are cooking with and eating the reishi. It is, after all, in a way a food stuff. It is synergistic with all kinds of immune system drugs, including interferon, alpha interferon, gamma, and acyclovir. However, you should be careful and check it out further if you're on immunosuppressive drugs. And it's ever so slightly possible that Rishi has a blood thinning effect, and thus if you are taking blood thinning medications like warfarin or aspirin, that the Rishi could possibly increase your risk of a dangerous bleed. It's interesting. The books list this as a possible danger. And I've heard people talk about it as a popular danger, but when I actually talk to people, 
in practice who are working with people who are taking drugs and using herbs with them, or people who are prescribing drugs and herbs to the same person, uh, they say that in practice, um, except with the caution about the immunosuppressive drugs, that um, there are rarely adverse reactions, especially very, very rarely these adverse reactions with supposedly blood-thinning drugs. I think part of this is somewhat of a, a misunderstanding that herbs have called um, herbalists have called certain herbs to be blood thinning when we don't really mean the same as what warfarin and aspirin does. And so they're not actually as additive as they might seem to be. You can harvest reishi any time you find it. They grow on all kinds of different trees, especially dead trees and dying trees, oak and elm and maple and willow, sweetgum and magnolia and plum and locust, and they'll even occasionally grow in pine and larch and spruce. <clears throat> they don't like to uh, grow where it's too hot or too cold. They're pretty much temperate region plants. And if you've ever seen a reishi mushroom, <clears throat> you will know why it is called lucidum, which means shiny or brilliant. That's the Latin for shiny Ganoderma lucidum because the reishi mushroom looks like it has varnish on the top. It's shiny. Have you ever seen them? Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, working in the store, there's all sorts of things um, done with that. And I think that mushrooms can be very intimidating. And, you know, there's ones that can kill people and all these sorts of things. You know, these are the stories of people... So I can understand how it can be intimidating to 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 pursue the mushrooms in the wild meaning. Absolutely. And this is one of the reasons that reishi became so popular is that it's pretty hard to mistake it. It's mm-hmm. a woody mushroom growing off, all, growing off usually a dead or dying hardwood tree with a tree, shiny, yeah. almost lacquered upper surface. It really, it is like, it is so lucidum. And then Stephen goes on to say, Gano means sheen or bright, and derma means skin. So Ganoderma lucidum means shiny, shiny skin. Oh, okay. <laughs> or actually, Ganoderma lucidum, shiny skin, shiny, I guess would be the literal thing, but shiny, shiny skin. Uh, definitely. Uh, easy mushroom to be safe with. So far as I know, the mushrooms that are really going to kill you are usually mushroom-shaped. That is, they have a stalk and then a cap on top of them. And all of the Ganoderma mushrooms are shelf fungus, which means they grow out sideways from the tree. Right. Whereas the, most of the killer mushrooms are terrestrial mushrooms. That is, they grow up through the earth from their myceliums. It looks as though they're growing from the earth, but they're not, actually. Oh, okay. Over, over 400 different bioactive constituents have been identified to date in Rishi. <clears throat> 140 of them are triterpenes. <clears throat> A lot of them are ganodermic acid. 
And there's over 100 additional compounds, including polysaccharides. And it says polysaccharides, which give all those interesting immune actions. And there is also interesting LZ8 protein, which is very immune-stimulating, especially in the spleen and on peripheral lymphocytes. Traditionally, when we ask herbalists in India, do you use reishi, they say, nah, but they have a ch fungus, which is the herb of immortality. And uh, throughout India, legends about this herb of immortality uh, refer to various things from Chinese literature, and many people believe that the fungus is probably reishi. However, Stephen says, I can't find any references to reishi in Ayurvedic practice in my extensive library. Of course, in traditional Chinese medicine, Ganoderma is the mushroom of immortality. In China and in Japan, reishi means the 10,000-year mushroom. The reputation of reishi as a longevity and vitality enhancing a tonic grows year by year. Reishi has been used in both China and Japan for at least 4,000 years for debility from prolonged illness, deficiency diseases, fatigue, anti-aging, coronary heart disease, hepatitis, kidney disease, arthritis, hypertension, sleep disorders, asthma, bronchitis, ulcer, nerve pain, and perhaps we should just add to that, getting on in years. We can really see why reishi is considered the herb of immortality. If you want to get on in years and not be bothered by those problems, reishi is your ally. In traditional Chinese medicine, reishi is considered warming, tonic, nourishing, and dispersing of accumulated problems. At least five species of Ganoderma are used in traditional medicine and Japan, each for slightly different disorders, with Ganoderma lucidum being considered the most potent of them all. Well, we are very close to the end of our time together here tonight. And Stephen goes on to tell us that basically Western herbalists ignored reishi, which grows all over in our woods, until traditional Chinese practitioners introduced it in the late 20th century. That's right. During our lifetimes, reishi has come to prominence. And Western use is now for reishi, um, although most of the evidence when most of the studies are still being carried out in Japan. And next week, when we get together, I'm going to go through this very interesting list of studies that Stephen has collected so that we can see the kind of research that is being done in uh, with the Ganoderma mushrooms. Rishi has been found to be active against candida. For instance, I find that people who are told they have a candida overgrowth are told to stay away from mushrooms, and yet all mushrooms like Rishi are actually active against overgrowth of candida in the gut. So there'll be lots more to learn about Rishi when we get together next week when it's actually going to be summer solstice. 
Are you going to do something special for summer solstice? Of course. We're going to do a ritual, and we're going to do one on live on the air, even if it's before solstice, but we will do and honor the solstice. I promise you that. Wonderful. And, of course, we'll be together next. Let's see. Is it the 20th or the 21st? 21st, I, th- I think. Uh, I I th- <laughs> so I think that's next Tuesday. You and I will be together, so we will have to light a solstice candle or sing a solstice song or do something in a ritualistic manner when we get together next week. A chant, perhaps. Maybe something simple. A chant, perhaps. How marvelous. I look forward to that. Recognizing Thank- the goddess. I had time for the Sun King to die. Hard to believe, but just as we're starting to think about summer, indeed, we come to the longest day, the shortest night, and the very next day, it starts to get darker. Okay. Okay. Until then, thank you so much for giving me this space to remind everyone that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. That's right. And dark isn't always bad. Remember that either. <laughs> oh, the deep and nourishing dark. Dark is wonderful. Wisdom. Thank you so much, Susan. Green blessings. Until next week on Summer Solstice. Goodbye, everybody. Green blessings. All right. Everybody, you've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed to have our herbal medicine class that happens every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. So honored to have her still here. Quite a few years now, about five years. Have a good evening. Have a good solstice. Have a good summer because it will change. It will change into winter and fall and all those other things. <laughs> and remember, all things in your life can change, but an ending is a new beginning, and that's always a good thing, right? It's always a great thing. Have a good evening. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
Thank you for sticking around. My name is Daniel Michael, founder, co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And we will be doing a ritual episode to honor the solstice and, as I said, to honor the goddess and everything else as well as, as Father God. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week, and we have many more hosts to come. You're listening to Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined, and I can imagine a lot. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.